podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek, the next conversation. The best Star Trek podcast ever in the history of all Star Trek podcasts that includes ones hosted by people who may have been on Star Trek or have worked on Star Trek. We have done neither, but our podcast is the best. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm slowly coming to terms with what that means to me. Mm. Me too. All yeah. Aren't we all? I am. I well, am. Andy, it's... Uh, we got there, you know, finally. The Maquis have shown up on Deep Space Nine. So this was what a what a what a sack of annoying stories these Maquis bring with them. <laughs> not, not a Maquis fan. Not a Klingon no. fan, not a Maquis fan. Nope. <laughs> All right. They, you know. They have a note. And that they play the same note every time and it's like oh, okay. I get it. It's pretty gray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess the note the Maquis play. I should like the Maquis more because the note they play is there's good people on both sides. <laughs> yes, it's um, right up your alley. <laughs> so I guess you know. Oh boy. Anyway, um, right now we will tell you if you should uh, tune in to the fun. Uh, here we go. Ready? Okay. Wait. Yes. Correct. Andy. Would you have them watch this episode? I honestly feel the same way about what Mike, Matt just said. <laughs> it couldn't even really? fit my thought into it. I feel it's just sort of, I don't know. I guess there's some good things, and then there's other things that are annoying. <laughs> wow. I feel ambivalent. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? I mean, it's seminal trick. you got to tune in, but it's bad. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad that's that's a strong that's a strong way to to look at it i definitely i do not think it's bad i think it is no i don't think it's bad either i think it is adult well-told drama i just am sort of like i don't know i don't know what i'm watching here yeah i just don't i don't know i just the, the, the just you know i'm just tired of seeing them play the same song you know just change it up well, this was the first song, in fairness to them. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but it feels like the same song because of you know Voyager currently and the uh, you know we saw season seven of uh, TNG. In fairness, you you could say because this was the first song, so this predated the Maquis in TNG. I believe so. Yes. Um. So if that's the case, it's actually a pretty evolved story about them that they're telling. I mean, you're saying it's the same, but it's sort of like it feels like this could have been like the t- the seventh or tenth story that they told about them. Oh, I mean, like other than everybody's surprised at what if it they was are. TV like today. Yeah. Well, I don't even mean that. I just mean even in the course of Star Trek, it's like it's very nuanced. There's like you know. Yeah, but if you're if you're um, 
if you're writing modern day television, that that reveal at the end of this first episode of the two parter, uh-huh. you'd like you'd save that for the finale or something. You know what I mean? I, in sure fairness, like yes, that little. that is fair. That that is the 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 turn is not surprising at all because of what we know. But uh, oh, I mean, I've never seen. I mean, we'll get into it, but like, oh, I guess that's not wasn't even what we were saying. But yeah, the character. Ben, I don't know how I can tell you, but I'm guilty of all of this. I'll just say it in different words. <laughs> Every time we're together, Ben. All right, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, let's go to the DePole section of the show. No. No, we no. do Admiral's Club now. Matt? When do we do DePole, then? I think... Yeah, look, this is... Oh, I'm God, following your read. Someone had said, put the DePoles when you are talking about... The when you're talking about the hails, I think because the hails are talking about the previous episode too, and so I no, think you know what it is when you I've last it, did it, I'm, you put to polls just it. before the opening of the priority one messages or the hail bag. Is my understanding? What are the what are our Bobby McNeil? Uh, you know, is is he like saying, "Hey, wait a minute, which do we go first? To which which?" Uh, they're not doing this shit on their own. They probably have a producer or something. You well, know what is, I mean? That is true. No one's keeping track of this but us. I'd like to see two actors keep track of a podcast with uh, no other help. Right. Go ahead. That's why it's so antiseptic over there. Yeah. <laughs> For us, ours is a mess, so you know it's real. <laughs> Go ahead, guys. Put on your professional show. We'll keep doing what we do. Um, Admiral's Club, sure. Oh, I'll believe it. All right. Welcome to the Admiral's Club. And keeping with the theme. Ah, yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. Well, let me first. Oh, I was just saying, here we are. Here we are. Admiral's Beautiful. Club. Gorgeous. In here. Seems like they removed some of the doors, but not all the doors in the middle of the room. Um, just by the way you walk, really. Matt, how do you uh, how do you get into the Admiral's Club? Uh, I mean, I would just take Turbo Lift 7. That's the closest one. Right. And then uh, just take a right immediately on your on your right-hand side. Uh-huh. Just follow that wall. Sure. Keep going. About You're going to go past two other sections that we haven't talked about ever, uh, uh-huh. but they're there. And then, and then you'll get to the Admiral's Club. Or you can leave a five-star review of this podcast wherever someone might see it. Um, and here are some some examples. Uh, Peter C. went above and beyond. Um, I don't know if you wanted your whole name there, Peter. Hmm. It's in it's in one of your things, but I don't know if it's in all of your things. So I'm going to assume you do want it. Nah, I'm going to assume you don't. If you don't, you can you can say it later. Best best Star Trek podcast. Uh, okay, uh, he went above and beyond. He, he sent he sent in variations galore on where you could put a five star review, which has been opened up now, so that you can put it in any number of creative places to uh, to, to give the show a little boost. Um, he says, Andy, here's a link that includes. Uh, he said two, but then there was a third one, five star reviews. I also sent this to you on Instagram. Uh, again, it was I who put Secunda on Urban Dictionary. Secunda, um, and I appreciated that, except that it uh, it undermines Secunda as something that is uh, 
is empty that you're taking victory in. So I don't know if I agree with that definition. But um, okay, uh, in the uh, dads only life of dad Facebook group. <laughs> Someone asked, can anyone recommend a podcast trying to uh, broaden my listening? And uh, Peter responded, and he was a top contributor. If you are a Star Trek fan or interested in learning about it, I recommend Star Trek The Next Conversation. Uh, It's run by two podcasters who rarely stay on track, but are at least entertaining to listen to. Um, So so we're we're getting some some airtime in the Dads dads Only uh, Facebook group. It's about time. What's up, fellow dads? Uh, and then uh, he also sent uh, left us a Yelp review uh, underneath the re- Yelp review, which is surprising it's still there, of the Star Trek The Experience. Nice. Um, and he left on January 27th, 2024, and uh, says, Matt and Andy finally made the mistake I was waiting for. They said, leave a star- five-star review anywhere, and you'll be admitted in the Admirals Club. So I've been following the show about, about a year, finally uh, up to the beginning of DS9. Hopefully, mm-hmm. I get to hear the, this review sometime in the future. Furthermore, it was I who added Secunda to Urban Dictionary. It was also I who added the five-star review on a bathroom wall. Per Matt, did we already did we already talk about yeah, that? Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, we did. Um, this was on a bathroom uh, at a rest stop between Los Angeles and San Diego, close to the power plant that looks like boobs. Boobs from Naked Gun. Yep. Um, uh, I am now a double admiral club. Now you're a triple admiral club member. Double that free shrimp. Anyways, Andy, you can stop reading now unless you want to read a few sentences about what you missed out on. So this is a review for Star Trek The Experience. It was truly an amazing place. It's too bad someone didn't follow through and enjoy it. That was me. Uh, the staff at Quark's, Quarks were top-notch. Joseph Sisko's jambalaya is still the best I ever had. Do you agree with that, Matt? Did you have that? I didn't have it. But that, you know, if it, uh, I don't think I've ever ate any of the food there. I had I drank there. I can't. That uh, I can't. I believe the rest of it was super fun. I cannot believe at a theme park restaurant for the Star it's not Trek a theme park, experience. First of all, huh? It's not a theme park. It's themey. It's a casino. It's a casino. You think the, the casino was more responsible it's a for themed the... attraction in the casino? You think that the food was coming from the casino and not from the theming place? I think it was coming from whoever their vendor was. I don't know. Hard to say who controlled that restaurant. But the mm-hmm. fact that he's saying that that makes sense. You'd want Joe Sisko's um, jambalaya to be the best jambalaya. I mean, he says that makes he, the most sense. He says he wakes up thinking about it. The onion rings of okay. Beta Z. I also bought a oh, case Oh, I of, remember those. Bought a case of Romulan yeah. Ale. Gave it to my friends. The blue concoction turned all their poop green. I was able to enjoy the experience on two separate occasions. We found out they were closing too late to go to a third time. Go a third time. My friend even asked me if I wanted to go to Vegas for my bachelor party. I said, "What for? Star Trek isn't there anymore." He solemnly agreed. I mean, he's not wrong. I feel very fortunate to have attended Star Trek: The Experience three times. And then there is a legitimate. Um, uh, uh, iTunes review for us from Tangbot City. What do you mean legitimate? These other uh, these other reviews are legitimate also? You're right. That was an unfair characterization. I apologize to everyone. Um, and Tang- an old-fashioned review. That's something. You're right. An old-fangled review uh, that uh, says 
Uh, there are two lights, and their names are Matt and Andy. I've discovered you only recently, but I'm quickly burning through TNG. Wander down a meandering path that eventually finds an episode of Trek. Join the nearly all-knowing Matt as he delights in Andy's journey of Star Trek discovery, pun semi-intended. Great podcast. Please maintain your same level of professionalism, however low that may be. We came for Trek, but we stayed for the two of you. Thank you. Uh, there you go. I really feel like we're uh, just doing a lot of great stuff in people's lives. This podcast specifically. Yeah. Just really, we're just there for you guys, you know? Well, I mean, that much is definitely true. You can't even, can't even argue that. <laughs> Star Trek The Next Conversation. They're just there. <laughs> it's the most indisputable review there is. <laughs> um, you got to make sure you're using the right there. Uh <laughs> That's T-H-E-I-R. It. Oh, no. No, you <laughs> dumb dumb. Um, um, that's that it for the, the Admiral's Club. Club. I'll let you figure out what's next. And that was the Admiral's Club. So many doors. So many doors. The United Federation of Planets President Circle. Hey, it's President Circle. It's an exclusive, lovely place where you can come and get even more hours of Andy and I. We do extra podcasts over there. We're talking about Voyager. We're talking about uh, Enterprise. We're talking about uh, Discoveries coming back in April. Uh, it's all going to be covered in there. Head to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Become a part of the, of the gang. And uh, not only do you get priority one access to the mailbag, but sometimes Andy finds a message he really likes and gives it a fake medal. It's called the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Who gets it this week? See, now if I was a professional podcaster, I would just go ahead and then I would circle back. But do you want to do that or do you want to do the pulse? <laughs> I want to do the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Very good. Um, to Poldly Joe Moore... Uh, hails us uh, and this is in regards to the last episode um, which was the Klingon themed episode um, uh, and look I don't I don't uh, I'm just I'm just saying as precursor I don't uh, I'm not voting for this by giving it the Medal of Valor it got the most likes of anything in the president in, in the president is that circle. how you choose it no not, not always whim? but I, I let it I let it influence you know I'm not going to fight the tide right, right, right so to boldly Joe Moore says when it comes to this episode truly revenge is a dish best served old because it is it is again it's a great pun Klingons that are that are old. elderly Klingons yeah, yeah. Um, okay that's it so now do you want to do the poll what do you want to do Let's do the poll. Sure. Okay. Let's do that part. If it's important to you to know the thoughts of the crew, you gotta take it to poll. If a marshmallow tiff makes you wonder what if, you gotta take it to poll. Take a tip Um... What? Uh, so, I <laughs> uh, love you guys. Uh, hey guys, never change. 
that people keep saying to us. It's <laughs> vaguely insulting. Um, so, for uh, last episode, season two, uh, episode 19, Blood Oath, um, here are the stats. Uh, Matt and I gave it collectively a 7.5. I gave it a, a high 9. Matt gave it, in my opinion, a low 6. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see how that could be construed as a low score for that episode yes and what is your guess matthew on the imdb rating eight three seven eight right around where we are oh it was off by a half point but it's interesting that imdb with our collective vote is about the same um and then patreon what would you guess with patreon It's 122 votes. Maybe that's where the 8-3 is. That's also, that is a 7-6, almost exactly where we are. Wow. 33% voted for 9, though. So there were a lot of a lot of people on my side. 33% thought it was a 9. That's, uh, mm. that's, that's a highly liked episode. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get into the Priority 1 messages proper. Let's do it. Here we go. Yeah. Captain, incoming message. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. There are going to be some uh, hails in today's hails, by the way. I forgot to tell you. Today's sounds. Um, what are you getting there, pal? What, what kind of drink? Just trying to do it all off mic, but it's a Sprite Zero. I, I didn't hear it. I was just curious. No, I know, do, you, do you feel intruded upon? You open the visual medium for these people who are only hearing the audio. I'm sorry. I thought, you know. I got to quench my thirst, everyone. Bring them into our world. Uh, pizza, pepperoni, hot, hails us. Such a heartwarming and vengeful episode. I love that this spawned that classic trans acceptance meme. Curzon, my beloved old friend. I'm Jedzia now. Jedzia, my beloved old friend. Uh, yeah, I guess that makes a perfect trans acceptance meme. God bless it. Um, ben Plavin says, I did the math, and given the rates at which you and the Delta Flyers, there's a lot of Delta Flyers talk today, release DS9 episodes, you will both be dropping pods for the same episode around December 9th. 2024 that episode will be season three episode seven. Oh my god civil defense from that point tom and harry will quote fly see what i did there eh, eh, past you and finish ds9 approximately 34 months before you do i would think that should be. like maybe that's our big crossover should we reach out to them like when we, we finally merge like when we finally get to the same time space and time in the star trek timeline uh-huh that should be the big crossover episode and then um, and then let them let them, let them go <laughs> let them reap the benefits of like yeah. why am I waiting for these guys to catch up to the people who are already covering these episodes? Great, <laughs> yeah, that seems reasonable. All right, well, I don't know. I don't know if you want to go through freaks or, or if you actually. I guess you're friendly with everybody, aren't you? Yeah, I can hit up a, a, a donkey. Okay, um, but Dunkin donuts. I mean and wait for someone to walk in who might be associated with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And Plavin also says, but screw the math. I, for one, am happy that we will all keep getting TNC content until at least January 2030. Did I just make Matt depressed? Ed <laughs> Warp Factor fun. Did you, did he, did they include TOS in that? I assume that must be included because it's 2030. And what's funny is, like, it'll have been so long since we covered Voyager yeah. that we'll have to do a separate version of Voyager free for everybody. So that'll be interesting. Mm, interesting. I don't like you making So, those. like, it'll eventually, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming we can't wrap this thing up till 2050. 2050? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a wildly generous we're, idea we're of how long old. you and I are going to live. Very old. <laughs> I mean, putting aside how cognizant we're going to be, which is not plausible, I already am a mess. Oh, my, I'm, I'm, my senses are dulled as we speak. Um, but sure, uh, let's start making plans. <laughs> we never even did our first award show or, or anniversary shows. <laughs> hey, you know what? It was going to be awesome, but it never happened. I think other podcasts have done very, have really, you know boosted their numbers by uh by having big big shows like that clip shows not clip shows necessarily but events <laughs> um will host we've been doing this for six years we're there we're at our we're i know this is your big argument your, your argument is that we're at our top and we'll never change and uh correct and i feel and like by the way thank you all for not dropping off no one drops off either that is true that is even more shocking but um, but I feel like there's a there's a sm- slow leak, like the guy in the in the hail who said he just started. You know, it's like we we pick up people along the way and add to our yeah. Crew. But like we also have listeners who die. You know. Oh, I see. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's fair. It's just the circle of life. And you feel, you feel like the rate for gaining people is the same rate people our crew is dying. Yeah, it's the same. <laughs> it's real, like, you know, real TOS metaphor. Um, Will Holsclaw of House Holsclaw says, Every time I watch the discussion between Dax and Kira about the latter's experience with killing during the occupation, I always think of the Bechtel test and how scenes like this pass it. Of course, that test is only one narrow metric for gender representation in media and one that DS9 often, quote, fails. But I love the scene for its performances and seriousness. This episode, in general, stands for me as a major hallmark in Jedzia Dax's development as uh, a character and for DS9's exploration of Klingon culture. I also really love Michael Ansara's reprise of Kang. He, uh, he comes across as authentically formidable and dignified here, and I'm genuinely sad that he never got to have further adventures with Dax. Uh, I agree all around. Eric Peebles says, I'm a bit surprised Porks' hollow suites aren't soundproof. Gotta be a lot of awkward trips down that staircase. <laughs> and then Justine, friend of Garrick, says, Walk of Shame gets a very robust meeting, meaning in this context. Um, yeah, that's gotta be. Yeah. But I mean, now that you bring it up, whenever you go to a holodeck, even if it's on uh, on the D, it's gotta be freaking awful and embarrassing i think there's plenty of i mean i I would assume there's less sound bleed bleed through on the enterprise yeah i would guess that's true but people know come on people know why barkley was going in there 
they didn't. I think that that's why. They I guess that's true. They, well, I don't think they knew the level of how far it went, but I think they had a sense. David Oning Rall says, "I wouldn't be mad if you covered Patty Yasutake's uh, beef appearances in a new segment called All Beef Patty." <laughs> <laughs> Matt really enjoyed that. Good pun. I like it. Nathan liked the hot dog. Bell liked the taco. Hells us. Uh, Matt and Andy headed to Ventura after recording. It is a good day to join the Q continuum level. That's true. Um, you imagine you would have been along for the ride. I think mainly because we would have been together in person. I hadn't thought about that element. Yeah, it's of the, such a rare treat. That's the real thing you're getting from the Q continuum is you... You make me and Matt have to see each other in person. Um, and then Justine, friend of Garrick, says, I really hope they don't forget to tell us the story. I'm very invested in this flat tire situation. Oh, my God. And then classic David S. Helmick, Seal, Vulcan says, I really wanted them to do a podcast on the drive there and back. Did we even? We, it's possible we talked about that, like in the same car on the way. We were like in the same car no, on the way. Well, we talked. We talked. We, we I, different cars on the way. We back. talked on the phone the the way back. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we talked to each other in the car on the way up too. But like, I called you over the car, right? Bluetooth. I don't. I guess you talked Just about it a little bit like, inside the Patreon. How am I going to get home? Do you want to give it an uh, overview? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's the... Andy did a great job driving. Uh, he got me there, and he did a great job following home as as much as it made sense. Well, in the end, I... And, yeah. Did I do it the... I did it most of the way, and most I was like, just way, wanted yeah. to make sure that your tire wasn't going to yeah, And then you peeled out. off, and then that's when things started getting hairy over here. <laughs> it was like within blocks of his house. Yeah, and uh, and then it just like the I just I the I, the tires. Did I ever send you the picture of what the tire looked like after that drive? Yes. Oh my god! Like basically ripped in half. Because remind like me, ripped, I'll post it. The sidewall ripped. Um, compl- almost almost the full three hundred sixty degrees around the circle of the tire. The sidewall has ripped in half. Um, long story longer I still have not been able to get the tire off and the oh you still haven't sitting in the driveway oh wow and I'm like I need some I need a welder to come by and weld this fucking bolt to itself um so that's been a you know that's been a problem I haven't had that happen I'm just so if I if we if we t- if we tow it to to Volvo to get fixed, it's going to cost I don't know, at least three grand. It's going to run. It's uh, and I we don't have, I don't have that kind of money right now. So it's like I got to fix it myself. And in the meantime, we're just we're sharing one car. That's right, Matt. Now you're sharing one car. It's uh, it's a lot of me uh, and Andy and Dory are all sharing one car. Me and Henry Story driving grand. around. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, the people had written in, some people had written in saying, Matt, you should do this. And they had technical suggestions, but then even on the technical suggestions, they, they also said like, oh, wait a minute, Matt's got his, he's correct. You can't do it this way. And so then they were, yeah, I know. 
It's a. Uh, it's really a. It's not a conundrum in the sense of I know how to get it fixed. I just don't know how to weld, and I don't own a welder. Now, if this was a situation that was like I don't know four years ago when I was working and had a steady income, I would have by now purchased a welder and done it. Yeah. Uh, or I would have been like, who cares? Just tow it to the car place so I don't have to deal with it. Um, it stands right now. I had to, as I said to Dory, I was like, I beg you, please do not get it towed to Volvo. It's going to cost so much money we don't have. Uh-huh. And was she anyway, chill with that? So that's still broken. It's in the driveway. That's the follow-up. Andy did a great job getting me there and uh, helped me get home. It was a fun adventure. We were on our phones talking. I was following him, to, yeah. wondering if his wheel was going to pop say, off. I'd say Andy's a good, good get, you know? Thank you. Um, we were on our phones. We talked about maybe going to Norm's. Matt's we inex- about sandwiches as well. Inexplicably favorite place. <laughs> I mean, I just like the variety. Do we talk about going to get sandwiches? It was very late. No, we talked about sandwiches because we drove by Fat Sales. Oh, that's right. Up in, up in like the Balboa exit of right. the Balboa, um, uh, Mentora, Middle. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we talked about. Ghost Sando. Right, right, which I enjoyed, and I was—I said I hadn't had it yet, so I had it yesterday. And what'd you think for the first time? I'm confused by a couple things about this <laughs> sandwich place. Okay, there's no when you're ordering it. I didn't go there, which probably was my mistake. Okay. But like when you're ordering it, there's no indication of what large, extra large, and extra extra large means. Uh huh. And I was like, well, I'd like a a, 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 re- a nice regular size, like a good size sub, you know? And if it's like a one that's big enough where I'm like have half now and then half for dinner, that's great. So I ordered the XXL. <laughs> uh-huh. And it was, it's the same, it's the regular size. Really? See, uh, my memory is that they meat. were very big sandwiches. They just fill it with meat. It's just overfilled with too much meat, actually. Which actually, I pu- I pulled a lot of the meat out. All the like, sandwiches, all the sandwiches just have different amounts of meat. That's crazy. And the size wise, yes, as far as I can tell. Because I ordered today, just to be sure. You know, I'm a man of science. I ordered another sandwich today. My memory was that there was a half sandwich and or a full time, sandwich. I got the 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 smallest one you can get, uh-huh. which is a much better sandwich. You enjoyed the sandwich. There's not though. as much. There's not as much meat in there. You went back. You enjoyed the sandwich. I enjoyed the sandwich enough to go. Whoa! What the hell? What's going on with these sizes? Let me figure this out. To me, it's that bread that everybody's sort of talking. Well, it's about. like the fucking. The it's like it. when you go to a deli and get a turkey club, and they pile it with like a pound and a half of turkey. It's like no one. This is not a good sandwich when there's this much turkey on it. Oh no! I that yeah that is indisputable i'm with you but uh um but the sandwich itself i thought it was a dutch crunch roll was this was yeah the that's bread. the best bread there's a, a good bread the sandwich place in pasadena um called maybe soda pop is the name of it so when you go to go sando tell them that star trek dutch tnc crunch. sent you and use our use our coupon code we don't have one we don't have any sponsors Nope. Maybe you should say you guys should sponsor them. Um. Anyway, uh, we talked about it. 
Matt finally got home and now he's stranded without a car. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what happened. I hope you enjoyed this 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 tale. Uh, Corey seventeen oh one says on the topic of digressions, <laughs> perfect perfect timing. The first one I'm gonna. By the way, I'm gonna have uh, one of the today's sounds uh, in a second. On topic of discussions, the first one occurred one minute into the very first episode of TNC. It was an in-depth discussion about Chicken Tonight. I don't think you'd even name the episode of Star Trek you were watching at that point. In addition, Matt named the ship you were podcasting from the USS Secunda. We say these are the conversations of the... Oh, so I don't know what the second part is. And is if he if he just... he You're saying he originally named it or he named it in the last episode? I don't even remember. I think that sounds like an original originally. Oh, maybe. But I think... But, you know, and then I listened to the opening again, which I never listened to. Um, and uh, and we say these are the conversations of the friendship, Matt Myron Andrews Kuna. So I always thought, oh, is it called, there's a ship called Matt Myron Andrews Kuna. I'm like, but this is the friendship, Matt Myron Andrews Kuna. Right. So, you know, are we on a starship or are we on a friendship? Who's to say? We're, we're I mean, who knows? Certainly this, the latter is a bigger question. But I feel like, in the, my mind's eye, we're on the ship of whatever whatever show we're discussing. <laughs> or, or space station, in this case. Uh, parking lot. Okay. Can you play now uh, a hail from one of our uh, President Circle members? Uh, play Katie Whitestone. Play Katie Whitestone. Bingo, bango, here we go. Hi, Andy. And Matt, too. Um, <laughs> this is Katie. I'm one of your Patreon members. And I was just calling to say that I used to be in love with Julian Bashir. So much so, when the show was on live, I even had a calendar, a 12-month calendar of Julian Bashir. Mm. I just thought he was amazing. So, I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just looking at him with, you know, 20, 24 eyes. But back then, he was, he was hot. <laughs> um, also, um, I just wanted to say, Matt, sometimes I feel like you're like reaching into my brain because you will just talk randomly about some old TV show and we will have just watched it. Like, you talk about... You're not calling Holden it about Phenom, Hero, are you? <laughs> or you talk about Welcome Back, Carter, and we will just have watched it, and it's crazy. I feel like you're seeing right into my head. So, anyway, um, I hope you guys are doing well, and uh, have a good day. You and too, I love I mean, Your podcast is my absolute favorite podcast Thank in God. the world. I've listened to it a couple of times over again because... I love that. It makes me happy. So, thank you. Bye. Hey, Katie. It's very nice. A uh, c- couple of times. Thank you. For, uh, Have you listened to a podcast more than once, Matt? Brain. Have I listened to a podcast more than once? Yeah. I mean, in terms yeah. of... I assume she's saying gone back to the beginning. Have Oh, have I, like, cycled back through episodes of podcasts? Uh, I haven't. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. The Ricky Gervais show certainly. Oh, nice. I would go back and listen a lot, right? And, because that was a limited uh, amount of episodes. Yes, right. and 
it was still fascinating. In the early run of um, Never Not Funny with Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap, I used to listen to that. You know, it was just it just found its way onto my iPod, and then just would get you know would come up on a shuffle, and I just listen because it was sure you know. interesting. Um, well. Uh, I wonder if that uh, calendar was a beefcake calendar of Julian Bashir, or if it was, I assume it was just him in his uniform, looking befuddled. Aaron K, sorry, not Cahill, Aaron Cahal, I don't know, maybe it is Cahill as far as I know. I hadn't seen much of the first two seasons of DS9 before watching along with the guys, but the last scene in Ops feels like one of the great DS9-ish moments, a shade of what's coming. Dax plucks down at her station after helping hunt down and murder a man. Neither Cisco nor Kira say anything, but their looks convey totally different emotions. Kira's sympathetic, maybe a little sad for Dax, while Cisco is seeing his old friend in a new, less complimentary light. Really great stuff. I thought this was... Uh, this is me again. I thought this was interesting because... Uh, the Chris knife is... Uh, um, I thought this was interesting because... Uh, I think, as I remember it... Um, my take on the end was like, oh, I wanted more clarity. And Aaron's sort of take is that there was clarity. That clarity was like, that's what he's thinking, that's what she's thinking. And both of those things totally track with what they've said in the episode. And that being said, I feel like it's like, uh, it's like, oh, if I read that at the end, I think I would have, I would have been much more satisfied with that ending. Um, and I think it's fair to say that maybe it's there. So, you know, in a in a rewatch someday, we'll see what I say. <laughs> we'll have to cycle back through in the year twenty seventy. <laughs> I feel like commentaries are coming at some point, but uh, maybe I'm wrong based on the success of our Muppet commentary. Look, I've always I've always suggested those. Someone fought me for six years, but although what's interesting is we're I'm starting to do commentaries with uh, in the other in the co-pilots. Oh, thing. that's weird. And now you do commentaries. <laughs> so we feel like your, we stole commentaries from this one. <laughs> with your other, well, just the fact that you refused to do them for six years. Now you run around with your brand new show, and you're like, "I'm going to do commentaries because they're easy to do." You're 100 percent right. That's exactly what happened. Um, nonetheless, uh, my my argument for that to let you all in on on my thinking was, uh, well, I want to give these people their money's worth. <laughs> Whereas on co-pilots, I'm like, all right, well, I want to make this functional because I'm already doing a podcast. <laughs> so you get screwed in that deal. But our listeners get rewarded um, because, you know, uh, commentaries are fun, but easier. Uh, juiced. I mean, it's not that they're easier or harder. It's just that there's a time. There's a time limit. Of time. Yes, that's that's what the reality is. Uh, although we've already gone over. Anyway, the point I was saying was in doing the other one... Um, uh, we're already falling into the same problem that you and I fell into, mostly with the Marvel stuff, which is, and we weren't even doing commentaries, but it's just like we're sitting there watching. watching. <laughs> yeah. Um, juice. Well, I think that's why that helped a lot to, to do the commentary because you just mute it and play. That's true. You know. Uh, it's, I keep I said it wrong three times, and now I get the chance to say it right. Yoast. And then his last name, he says, don't even try. So I won't. Uh, 
one thing about this episode that I always liked are the clear parallels to Dumas's The Three Musketeers. Kor's boisterous character clearly mir- mirrors Porthos, Archer's dog, um, while the more serious Kang and Koloth could be likened to Athos and Aramis. I'm sure I'm saying all these wrong. I apologize. Jadzia is the young upstart who wants to be part of the gang, just like D'Artagnan. That one, I think, is right. Uh, though, of course, she isn't really that young by virtue of having an ancient space worm in her stomach. Um, Chekhov's phaser says, Hey there, I finally made it. Started listening to the pod when Picard Season 3 ended. See, Matt? New, new listener. I wonder who died in their stead. <laughs> um... When Picard season three ended, I wanted to rewatch TNG for the I don't even know how many times, but this time with the podcast. I listened to nothing but this show for the past nine months. I made the dumb teaser you heard on this episode to celebrate finally being able to listen to other podcasts. Oh, and I also, oh, and also so I can yell at Matt and Andy in real time instead of just to the past. Welcome to the show. Who watches the ultimate trekker? Uh, TNG season two, episode four says, um, so Dax is not responsible for a crime. A previous host committed see season one's Dax, but they are for blood oaths. They sure pick and choose what does and doesn't count. And then David Noni Rawl says, or it's just Dax, the puppet master thinking, okay, got to make this Jadzia meat suit look real torn up about my murder plans. <laughs> Um, so I feel like they established in that episode that, that, that Jedzi is not responsible for carrying out Dax's blood oath. And that's what the Klingons perspectives are. And that Jedzia is just someone who's always down for, um, you know, following uh, Dax's obligations as she was in that, in the legal one. Uh yeah, yeah. She seems on board with whatever the worm did, man. Yeah. You know, which actually does suggest that maybe maybe Dax <laughs> that the space worm is is uh, exerting a little too much influence over Jetsia. Um, new nurse Apple hate club. Sorry, new nurse Chapel hate club. Party of one. So, yeah, you guys think I'm going to make it to 2030? Good luck. Uh, I cannot believe you guys didn't mention Discovery when the albino Klingon was mentioned. When he was introduced in Disco, I rewatched the episode to try and understand if it was the same character. As at the time, I assumed there would be continuous and wonderful callbacks throughout. I like Disco season one, three, one to three, season three. So I will just leave that thought there and walk away. Just for clarity, I was referring to Voke. But now with the series behind me, I googled and saw speculation about him being the kid from the monastery. I won't lie. I didn't read, but it's an interesting thought. Hmm. Um, So, just for... I'm sorry, I should have said spoilers. But although it's been very vague, there are some disco spoilers I'm about to say. Uh, So, Laurel and Voke slash S. Tyler sort of have a baby on Discovery that could grow up to be the albino on Star Trek Deep Space Nine is what this is about. But I didn't... I, th- there's no direct connection that is stated. No. In fact, you know, 
Although it is weird we that there's another albino. To, but doesn't he protect the time temple? That child is the one that shows Pike his future, correct? So you're saying not a villain is the... No, he's not a villain. Right. He's a monk. Yeah. It's interesting. Let me come up with a name for that. Not yet headcanon, kind of like, hey, we screwed up the timeline here, but then we retconned it or we changed it or we're explaining it this way in the future. I wonder what that way you would call that. Isn't that TV called retconning? Is it just retconning? Yeah, it's retroactively adding to the canon. There's an element to it that's not just the retroactively adding to the canon, but fixing something from the canon that I'm sort of addressing. It's like a mixture oh, of I mean, retconning and like headcanon. Really cleaning up after other writers' shit. Yeah. Brian Hellman says, no one is questioning how Klingons who killed their gods have godparents. This makes Fraser's bar mitzvah speech even more awkward. And I think Matt wants Trills to be like Venom. Some Dax head pops up in Jedzia's shoulder and talks to her. No, I don't want that. I think you were talking about the... <laughs> I don't want that. The, the, the symbiote. No one wants that. Sort of talking or we were doing a bit about it or something federation dti special agent carter if i can watch that show um says it was always interesting to me how ds9 was extra connected to tos and then voyager was extra connected to tng i think this episode was the beginning of that connection that is interesting i guess because it's it's hipper to go back a little further. What do you mean? Well, DS9 is going to TOS, so it's skipping TNG. Uh, and then Voyager DS9 is skipping. It's concurrent. It's concurrent with TNG. What are you talking about? I understand. But it's that's the point of this hail is that DS9 was going back one step and then Voyager was skipping DS9 and going back to TNG. And I understand that you're saying DS9 and TNG were concurrent and that's why it didn't go back to TNG. But right. it's still... I mean, you've had... Bashir is on Deep Space, is on an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. It's like they exist at the same time. What are you talking about? Do you read this hail differently than I read it? That is what say I... It, say, read it, say it again. It was always interesting to me how DS9 was extra connected to TOS and Voyager was extra connected to D TNG. I think this episode was the beginning of that connection. Extra connected to TNG. <laughs> I've never thought of Voyager as extra... I always thought of Voyager as more connected to D-Space 9 because of the pilot episode of... Deep Space Nine and the Maquis involvement and the fact that they're at Deep Space Nine in the pilot of Voyager. I've never really thought of a Voyager as being more connected to TNG. I kind of read it as... The fact that Admiral Janeway shows up in Star Trek Nemesis. Oh, all right. I mean, it's the only... It's the only sorry, and Riker showing up when Q brings him there in that episode where the other Q wants to kill himself, remember? 
I mean, this is a this is a level of of tracking the connections that uh, I am certainly not oh, capable of. Also, the Barkley, I guess, in Voyager. Yeah, yeah. you know the Barkley stuff is there. Yeah, in Voyager. Yeah, in Voyager. Yeah. Then you get a you get a you get a Troy cameo also. You also got the Ferengi in uh, in Voyager. Ferengi came from yeah sure. I'm seeing it a little more now now that I'm talking it out loud. But I always honestly, but mentally and internal, I've always internalized it as a show closer in relation to Deep Space Nine because um, they're in super duper deep space. Uh, yeah, you're just saying just the reality of the similarity of the shows. Uh, and I'm saying, like, the fact that they used the one show to launch the other show. Right. Much like DS9. Launched off a Pilot of DS9 had, has Picard in it. So. Right. Um, he who is Clem Fandango, a.k.a. Luke P., says, uh, Hi, Andy. Can you please ask Matt if he's ever talked uh, to Frakes about his stint on Beyond Belief Factor Fiction? Watched it as a kid as it aired on Fox and recently discovered it on Amazon Prime. So far, I've seen Star Trek regulars Michelle Hurd and John Billingsley. Uh, what I said something to him, and he just retreat, he, his reply was, "Would you believe it?" <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that's fine. He's very he's very aware of it and its cultural uh, sort of touchstone. <sighs> you know what? Group of people. The guy's built his his second career um and yet i still pre- i appreciate that he's like he's he'll give the fans what they want you know he's not shy about it yeah he's he's a true showman right it Tess says i'm with matt i as i am never a big fan of klingon episodes but if you like klingons i'm real happy for you <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Zindi Brady says, "That's great. I got it. I, to be honest with you, I didn't get it when I copied the copied and posted. It's only by saying that I got it. <laughs> it's Zindi uh, X I N D I for those who are not understanding my joy. Uh, Dax says, uh, "Is a quote from Dax? Oh, that's not really a quote from Dax. <laughs> I used to call you Iceman." Uh, Koloth uh, quote <laughs> yes I remember and Kang was Maverick and Kor was Goose <laughs> uh, Kurt Onstead of Welcome to Geek Town podcast says so watching this episode uh, this time and thinking about Andy's questions about trills brought me to my own theory Kurt's theories are somewhat interesting because he's kind of smart I think Jedzy is a weak host and gets overwhelmed by the Dax symbiote it's not symbiote didn't we talk about this uh, although Trill law and tradition establishes that new hosts have no obligation to prior commitments, Jadzia continually disagrees with that, which puts her in complicated situations. This episode is where she is uh, the episode where she's on trial. This one, some future episodes I won't go into for spoiler reasons, all seem to point towards this. Perhaps Curzon was correct in his original assessment of Jadzia. Um. I find this to be very interesting and I don't know outside of that one clip we see of them getting the worm switched from Curzon to to Jedzia do we see more like flashbacks of Jedzia pre-Dex because 
I feel like I'm realizing, oh, I don't have any, I don't have a real sense of who Jadzia was pre-Dex. So I kind of was assuming she was kind of a, you know, she was a science nerd who was kind of down for the adventure or down for like, that like a lot of the weird takes on Ferengis and all that stuff come from a little bit from Jadzia's open-mindedness pre-Dex. But it does raise the question of like, oh, maybe it all comes from Dex. Mm. Do you have a sense of if we... It's just I don't find the character is... Uh, I don't have as many questions about Dex as you do. I really don't. I'd like to be able to say... Yeah, why does Dax do this, that, and the other thing? Is it the? I don't care. Yeah, it's like a weird thing that like that. I have my own hangups about like stupidity regarding like the tech of Star Trek. Yeah, you know, and the uniforms. But like when it comes down to the Dax character, and I'm like, hey, whatever. Yeah, it's a worm in there. Right. <laughs> I'm interested in people. And here I am going like, well, the shield shouldn't do that. It's on a phase variance of 479.88. That's why it's the best podcast. All perspectives of things only one of us are interested are represented. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles Riley says, this episode lives rent-free in my head for the repeated cursed references to the albino. Here's looking forward to watching Star- the Star- a Star Trek episode where they hunt down the dyslexic. Um... Yeah, I imagine it is offensive to actual albinos. But maybe they buy it back with uh, um, the Discovery character. whose name I don't remember because I'm a bad host. I don't worry about it. Mike's on Bikes says, you can all shout at me in your headphones. Mike's on Bikes says, I like that Cisco is so against Jadzia going to murder this guy. Uh, Klingons are so cartoony about murder that you forget it's actually horrifying. Cisco grounds the reality of it nicely. I think that's fair. But he did kill their children. So feels like if it's ever going to be a justified revenge plot, it might be that. Well, they, you know, Cisco had no problem with the Klingons going after this guy. He just didn't want Dax going. That's a little and bit of, of a bullshit stance. In fairness stance. to Cisco, Dax's children didn't get killed by this Klingon. I understand, but she was... Well, that was your point. She you know, had a bond your with... Your point was just that this guy killed their kids, so yeah, of course. And I'm saying that Cisco is like, yeah, yeah, they can go about their business as they need to, but you're a Starfleet officer, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, but then that's just ducking the issue of, like, if... if her child was killed by this guy then you're saying she should overlook her her and obligation as a starfleet is, officer I think cisco cisco would overlook it too uh, i guess i guess that's built in but i don't i don't see that that was what he was really arguing he was just arguing you're a starfleet officer so you shouldn't be pursuing revenge um anyway uh Laura Hansen says, uh, I love that I got through my entire work app before they got to the actual episode discussion. Never change, boys. Never change. It's, uh, it's definitely an insult. It's not a compliment. That's it for the Priority One messages. <laughs> an appropriate Priority One message to end on. We will now open the hail bag 
for those of you not supporting the show in the Patreon. I will not be angry. Uh, that does it for Party One messages. Andy already said that. Gotcha. <laughs> Captain, we are being hailed. Uh, now we can kick it off by playing uh, Elise Birthday. Hi, uh, my name is Sophia Martinez, and I have been trying to contact you guys. My mom is a giant fan of your podcast and Star Trek in general, and her birthday is actually coming up this Saturday on the 3rd of February. We and fucking I was wondering it. if there's yep. any way you could like do a shout out to her on one of your shows, or even just like if there's merch we could buy or something. You know what? Could sign. Um, her name is Elise Martinez. Um, so, yeah. Look, Elise's daughter tried in vain to get us to do something on time. <laughs> she did. She's fighting uh, an uphill battle. We have a very rickety But ship. I think because Elise is such a big fan of us, she's going to appreciate the fact that it's many weeks late. <laughs> sure. And not even remotely, uh, essentially, not that, I mean, what, we're going to be 20 days away from her birthday? Yeah. Look, if we gave it to her on her actual birthday, if we gave her the shout out, then she would probably oh, be like, please. I wanted a TNC style shout out. What the crap is what this? A, I mean, by the way, for your daughter, who seems like a wonderful, a bright human being who is aware enough to track down this stupid podcast phone number. <laughs> it's true. And leave a voicemail. Yeah, she cares about you. That's a good daughter. Uh, that is, uh, that's just, that's the kind of uh, child parent relationship I, I dream of one day, you know? <laughs> Well, maybe someday Henry will leave a message on our on our voicemail. <laughs> from now on, hey, every you, February. I don't want to see my dad in person. Can you just tell him happy birthday? Every February third, from now on, uh-huh. we will we will uh, know and appreciate Elise Martinez quietly, because there's no chance in the world that we will remember. Exactly. Yes, and she knows that as well as anybody. She sure does. But she's a big fan. Since we're on the topic, happy like belated, so. Elise. If you go like next next year, yes, January third, okay. send your voicemail in. All right, <laughs> and then bump it. Remind us. Hey, it's Elise Martinez's birthday coming. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, day after Groundhog Day. I know that. But I can tell you, whenever you send it in, uh, the next loop is when I will read it because I won't. I won't uh, if if it's like oh but I'm getting it to you two months in advance that'll be gone I'll never remember that. Um, well, you could. Uh, yes, you know, you're going to suggest an add it to your to our calendar like a federal holiday kind of a thing. Uh-huh. I'm already scheduling everything. You know for what? Us. I'm going to do it right now. Actually, I'm going to add Elise Martinez's birthday. All right, this is very nice. We'll see what happens for next year. We're going to remember. I maybe hope. I hope. I'll see if we're still both alive. <laughs> Well, you should put it the week before, right? Because we don't know when we're recording. Right. I should honestly I should put it at the end of January. Uh-huh. Just because, you know, knowing us, <laughs> we'll probably be recording on the 20th. We're just doing this for Elise, by the way. Don't everybody send in your birthdays. We wish you all a happy birthday, certainly. 
No, we don't. We just wish Elisa would. <laughs> Whoa. <Come on. laughs> I was just making a blanket. <laughs> a blanket yeah. birthday greeting. You don't even know. No one else's that. daughter called in. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I'm going to move on. Uh, this is a Star Wars Episode One spoiler, <laughs> in case anybody cares. Okay. Um, this is uh, regarding my Triumph the Insult comic dog, uh, Darth Vader insult that I wrote on the in the Triumph the Insult comic dog, Darth Vader. I've never seen one person get so much mileage out of a joke. It's the <laughs> it's yeah, for sure. I'm not even going to dispute that. Um. Uh, so let me get this straight. You wrote a joke for Triumph. Oh, sorry. This is from Mark T. Warren, who says, let me get this straight. You wrote a joke for Triumph to say Darth Vader uh, about how one of his chest buttons is to call his mom. And you wrote this joke for him to say while in line for the movie in which his mom dies. Wow, Andy. Wow. <laughs> I think maybe your insensitivity is what actually drove him to embrace the dark side. This is fair. <laughs> reasonable um okay ds9 about blood oath uh there's a sound clip clip from ken molay who says hi guys as always you bring up a lot of great points in your discussion about the episode and andy asks many relevant and pertinent questions thank you ken uh but you skipped over one question that really threw me you played the attached sound clip from the show and never asked why the guards were supposed to fix guitars to their rifles does this make matt the most dangerous man in los angeles keep potting we'll keep listening lieutenant commander mole historical archives division so if you could play guitars in the meantime have the guards fix guitars to their rifles and prepare for hand-to-hand combat prepare prepare for hand-to-hand face melting metal um yeah i want one of those guitars and prepare for hand-to-hand combat Frank Sinatra, come on, from Jeff Strunin, says, Dear Andy and the other fellow. (laughs) Um, Majesty Secret Service reference. Uh, As DS9 is coming to the point when Star Trek TNG is off the air in June 1994, does this mean that Frank Sinatra, the Frank Sinatra come on segment, might return to TNC? Season three of DS9 kicked off September 24th, 1994, which means that there are still years of potential Frank until his death in 1998. Come on, boys. What do you say? Is it worth it to poll to poll to see if listeners want the return of Frank Sinatra? Come on. It's my favorite segment ever. And if we were bringing back old things, where's Lieutenant Pranksman been hiding? Best wishes, Jeff F- Jeff S. Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I leave it to you, man. Um... Lieutenant Pranksman has been busy on another assignment. It's working on a huge prank. Yeah, that's the biggest prank of all. And uh, Pawtucket, been there. It's a lovely, lovely part of uh, Rhode Island. Seen some Paw Sox games there. I don't know if you're familiar with the Pawtucket Red Sox. They were our AAA affiliate. Now the, now the Woo Sox. They moved to Worcester, Massachusetts. Hmm. Anyway, that's all I got. What's up? Did you want to do a Frank? Did you want to bring back Frank Sinatra? Come on, are you happy? It's gone. I think it'd be very interesting when we get to Star Trek, the original series, to do a Frank Sinatra. Come on, then. 
Oh. Oh, I dig that. 60s Frank. Yeah, okay. Let's do that. Let's do that. Ring a ding ding, everybody. Yeah. Because this last stretch, it's just going to get sadder and sadder. You know, we have to hear about him needing a teleprompter (laughs) to sing my way. And then slowly his health, last appearance at his golf tournament, dead. Essentially. Um, Okay. Prime corrective. Now. Get a couple Mm. of them. Couple? Yeah. I think they're all me. We must have been way off our game. Uh, our old friend, Command Master Chief Robert Garrison, ever salty, said, Did Andy say Balthazar on the original Battlestar Galactica? LOL. It's Baltar. I said it wrong. I'm sorry. That's real space eggs on my face. Classic David S., the homework stealing. I, yeah. I know how you like him, Captain. <laughs> Daniels? Yeah. Um... <laughs> Classic David S., the homework-stealing Vulcan, says, uh, Obi-Wan force persuades the guy to stop selling death sticks at the Outlander bar. The 50s-inspired diner is owned by Dexter Jetster, called Dex's Diner, and occurs later in Attack of the Clones. I think I had them mixed up. Because um, I, don't, I don't really know those. I'm embarrassed if I don't know original trilogy stuff i'm less embarrassed if i don't know uh prequel stuff or whatever well you are big you're a big ray head so (laughs) yeah i know everything about ray though (laughs) you fucking love ray skywalker (laughs) (laughs) jeremy specter says was it the mistake quote mistake referenced when the four first meet i think i was asking what was the mistake he was talking about uh when the four first meet, that Kang didn't realize that Curzon was dead and Jadzia was the new Dex. The way I interpreted it was that Kang was bringing the four, quote, old men together for a suicide mission of revenge. And when he realized that Curzon was no more and Jadzia was the new Dex, he was reluctant to involve someone with their life ahead of them that was not necessarily bound by their pact in this mission. Um, That's, you know... Um, I think these prime correctives are you just you know, you're being a little hard on yourself, okay? I am. Well, I think the audience is being a little hard on you. Um, I now let's see. Uh, and then lastly, can you play? Oh wait, no, I guess we got everything. Yes. Never mind. We uh, did it. We did it. Um. So, if you would like to send us a hail, you can send it to sttncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode in the subject heading somewhere. You can, uh, I mean, I guess his X is down, but he's at Matt Myra on Instagram. My Instagram is at Andrew Secunda. Um, my uh, X Twitter is at Secunda. Our Instagram, our Twitter account, our TikTok is at Star Trek TNC. Slowly getting up to date on the Instagram. 
Um, check out our YouTube channel, too. There's stuff up there, too. Uh, and if you'd like to send a voice, I'll send it to 816-TREK-TNC. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hands made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little board node. Let's talk about this week's episode. This week's episode is called The McKee, part one. 24th of April, my son's birthday, 1994. Um, the number one song, let's do some Prince. We never get enough Prince in the UK is The Most Beautiful Girl in the World by Prince. Um, I got to see him in concert before he went. It's fantastic. Welcome to the dawn. You have just accessed the beautiful experience. This experience will cover mm-hmm. courtship, Prince. sex, commitment, fetishes, loneliness, vindication, Can I love, see? and hate. Please enjoy your experience. It's an appropriate sci-fi-ish story video. Is that a little Han Solo reference there also? It's whatever you want it to be. That's the beauty of Prince. I guess that's true. That one song in Australia is The Power of Love by Celine Dion. Because the Australians were always behind on everything back then. Uh, Number one song in the U.S., Bump and Grind by R. Kelly. Number one alternative song, The More You Ignore Me, The Closer I Get by Morrissey. And number one movie, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Events, Nelson Mandela is sworn in as president of South Africa after the first multiracial elections. Hmm. And racism was never heard from again. Uh, Time Magazine cover, Hope in the War Against Cancer. <laughs> That's what you get cancer. white people the second they can vote for someone else. They do. <laughs> um, hope in the War Against Cancer. Was there, though? What's up? I guess certain kinds of cancer. Um, That's it. And now we listen to Elsewhere in Trek. Okay. If we must. Let's do that. Are you sure? Uh, You know, I'm not (laughs) not sure. Uh, Here we go. Track. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Engage. Uh, on April 25th, TNG aired Firstborn, the story of old Alexander time-traveling to make sure kid Alexander didn't grow up to be such a schmuck. Along the way, Riker checked in with Quark for information on the Dura sisters. The intel basically made up for Quark still owing Riker some Dabo winnings from the last time he was at DS9. Not sure when this conversation took place in relation to the McKee because there was no star date in that episode. Like, this such a big crossover. I mean, that's a, that's a, this is a good way elsewhere in Trek, you know? Yeah. Really just, uh, everyone's, everyone's bouncing off each other, you know? It's like, a, it's like a good improv group. I feel like I would have liked to you know, it's the one or the other. We kept it simple and we're going just on 
TNG and then DS9. I definitely wouldn't have appreciated watching any episode around this unless I was already on the track for DS9. But I think, in retrospect, I feel like watching them chronologically is the way to go. Well, that's how the, the other track podcast does it. Oh, there you go. Um, that's it. We can talk about the episode whenever you want. Great. Uh, this one, teleplay by James Crocker, story by Rick Berman, Michael Piller, Jerry Taylor, and James Crocker, and uh, directed by David Livingston. I presume. When a Cardassian freighter explodes at D-Space 9, the Cardassians blame the Federation colonists in the new demilitarized zone. Wow. <laughs> we really have, we really, I mean, look, we, went, we just, we had a time just now. I kind of, whenever I try to do the... Pylon one in three minutes. We have an incoming Boeing we all know. vessel at coordinates 101 mark 38. Give the Bachnor a clear trajectory out of the traffic pattern. Acknowledged. Feel like getting together for dinner tonight? Can't. I'm having dinner with Captain Baudet. The Galamite? You're going out on a date with him? Is something wrong with that? No. Not at all. He happens to be brilliant. His brain is twice the size of yours and mine. I know. I've seen it. It's not his fault. Galamites have transparent skulls. No, it's not. It, it's not exactly the view I want to have with dinner. You know, Kira, sometimes I think you place too much emphasis on how men look. What's that supposed to mean? Nothing. Look, when I kiss a man goodnight, I like to know where I'm kissing him. I guess seven lifetimes gives me a somewhat broader perspective. Well, since I just have one lifetime, I have to be a little more particular about whom I go out with. This fails the Bactyl test. I never said I wasn't particular. <laughs> with, with, a, with a vengeance. I'm not the one who dates Ferengis. And what's that supposed to mean? Nothing. Kira is a real speciest. Well, I mean... Transparent skulls are pretty unappetizing sometimes. Oh, I guess you're a specious too. A little bit. I know there are good people on both sides, but <laughs> gross. She's also like with Ferengi. It's like, are you saying about how they act? Because that's even more offensive. But even even if it's just about how they look, it's it's trouble. Um, Releasing docking clamps at upper pylon one. That's funny. I'm picking up elevated. DS9 to Bachnor, shut down your engines. Repeat, shut down your engines. Didn't hear him in time. There's no one left to rescue. What about collectibles? Is there any stuff? Is there any things that is hidden that we might need to get 100% completion on this mission? <laughs> Is this a side quest? <laughs> Calendide, rodinium, nothing unusual there. All materials commonly used in Cardassian ship construction. Maybe it was a malfunction in the impulse generator. I'd like to be able to tell you that, Major, but it's too soon to be sure. Can't believe the Cardassians have waited this long for an official explanation. Anything, Chief? No sign of an explosive device yet, sir. I've got every Admiral within subspace range on my back. Now, my question to you, is it weird? I think what they're trying to imply is that the screen 
is pointed at O'Brien, and so Cisco's kind of looking straight at him, but it doesn't track logic-wise. And usually when it's a screen, it's always the person looking right at the other person, isn't it? So isn't this weird? He's sort of looking off to the side. Well, maybe Cisco's camera's right there, and he's looking here at the monitor with O'Brien, like I am right now. Yeah, but every other time in Star Trek, aren't the people looking right at the other people, right at the camera? On the screens? I don't, yeah, I guess, man. I don't know. That's my memory. Maybe I'm wrong. It's bump, definitely bumped me, and I was like, huh, I wonder why they did that. Certainly, interesting bump. Certainly, Livingston would know. He would. He's he's done it all. But uh... yes, he has. Way to go. Well, I wouldn't do that yet. When? I let you know, sir. Anything from the Cardassians, Commander? Not a word. All Bajoran outposts have been put on alert for retaliatory strikes. The provisional government has made a statement disavowing any responsibility. Well, maybe it really was an accident. I mean, it is a possibility. An accident involving a Cardassian ship in Bajoran space? If I were a Cardassian, I wouldn't easily accept That's odd. What? Well, I'm picking up traces of a Mercassium compound. Mercassium? There shouldn't have been any Mercassium on board that ship. Well, there was. Meaning? I'm not quite sure yet. Was well, Mercassium some kind of explosive? No. It's a synthetic composite used in shield generator construction by the Federation. We don't share that technology with anyone. Even if they ask, nice. It's ours, see? They could try to barter, but we don't agree. We keep it, because it's easy to make. Prove that's what happened? Maybe. If we can get a high-resolution spectra of the impulse debris. But that's going to take some time. time. Yes, I know. Get it started. I'll tell the admirals. Cisco out. Benjamin. Uh, it's Ben Casey. Cal, thanks for coming on such short notice. I wish it didn't take a disaster like this. That uh, really seems like he's wearing Frakes' uniform. No. Doesn't seem totally cut for him. You think so? Hmm. I think so, yeah. That's what I'm going to say right now. Wow. If that's any sort of trivia, let us know. So Bern- Bernie Casey's been in everything, obviously. I, I, uh, my uh, claims to fame for him were Sharky's Machine and Never Say Never Again. <laughs> Uh, do you have uh, do you have favorite Bernie Casey things? He's been in everything though. It's a real mainstay. Let me tell you. Yeah, I wish he's been in everything but this. You you as an actor or as the character? As an actor, I don't yeah. think he's doing. I don't, I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's the dialogue. It's a little bit of a weird performance. I'll concur with that. It is a very strange. It's also interesting. Like, I have to assume both of these guys are are. Th- theater actors because they sort of encourage it a little bit in each other to bring us back together again hi Calvin Jadzia Dax Dax <laughs> my goodness well you look a lot better than when last I saw you chief of security Odo commander I wish she was like what's that supposed to mean <laughs> I'm still curse on you now. Calvin Hudson, Starfleet's attaché to the Federation colonies in the new demilitarized zone. You must be concerned about the colony's security at a time like this. Well, we haven't noticed any unusual deployment from the Cardassians along the border. Neither have we. And that's what's got me worried. 
Let's go into my office. Lieutenant, I don't have time this trip, but you and I have a few stories to catch up on. Next time. Next time. Well, oh, yeah. That woman knows more about me than any woman ever has. More than my wife even told me about it. Don't you find things a little uncomfortable? Oh, no. She's a good officer. Yes, but Curzon was... Um... She's not Curzon. Now, you two aren't, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that is... Uh... Oh, no. She may not be Curzon, but she is Dax. Um, yes. But keep playing it. We'll, we'll talk it from the scenes. Yes, that over. would be extremely strange. So, Ben... That was him. The way he looked was like, let's never speak of that orgy we had together with Dax. I don't know what the hell's going on here. It does feel like this guy's like into the idea of getting with Dax. Um, I think in whatever whatever form Dax takes. Right. So your your thought is, well, he was with Curzon. (laughs) Yeah. So... (laughs) Um, yeah, the whole thing is real strange. <laughs> and, and the laugh is like classic kind of, uh, you know, that, that almost goes back to, to the pilot episode with the, with the ow. That's like that level of the unmotivated. <laughs> it's like crazy. Well, I mean, the sand was really hot, so. Yeah. How is Jake? As tall as me? No. He throws inside to knock the old man off the plate. A little chin music, huh? Yeah. <laughs> He's growing up too fast. Yeah. That, that moment's good. And he's growing up too fast, and he, he takes that in? <laughs> I don't know. It's, 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 it's definitely all over the place, this performance. But it's like some moments are like, oh, that's, that's a nice, subtle reaction. I know that, Ben. You know, I was hoping when they sent me to the colonies that you and I would have a little time for some R&R together. Who's got R&R time? (laughs) I know. You can't imagine how my life has changed since the Federation abandoned these colonies. Wait. Red flag. Red flag. (laughs) Abandoned? (laughs) Doesn't your presence there... My presence there is a joke. Oh. I am supposed to help these colonies function under the terms of the new treaty... Now, Ben, what the hell does that mean? I thought these colonists wanted to stay, that they refused to evacuate. The treaty gave away their territory to the Cardassians, territory that these people had invested their lives in. Now, Ben, if you knew them as I do, you'd know why they can't leave. It's a bad treaty. The Federation gave away too much. Several Cardassian colonies wanted to stay on the Federation side of the zone, too. It seemed like a reasonable compromise. Well, yes, the Kardashians would love to have their colonies in our territory because they know we'd protect them, but they have no intention of doing the same for ours. A number of admirals at Starfleet Command are worried the destruction of the Bachnor might jeopardize the treaty. Oh, are they really? As the two ranking officers along the Cardassian border. Oh, these pieces of shit. Are they really? Are they really? It's like, whoa, man, let's slow down. <laughs> well, it's... What's going on? I don't know. I mean, yes, it's certainly... It removes the surprise at the end. But I guess I thought it was sort of interesting because I thought, well, this guy's definitely going to turn out to be a McKee. And then they were playing it so obvious that I was kind of like, oh, I guess he's just sort of a 
Starfleet officer that's, you know, willing to voice his sympathies. Sympathetic? Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, no, no. But he it was, was the other thing. He is exactly what he presented himself as. <laughs> We've been asked to assess the potential risk. There is no risk, Ben. None. I have been dealing with the Cardassians most of my professional life. And believe me, they are very pleased with what they got from the treaty. They are not about to risk losing all they've gained by sending forces into the zone. They're much too slick for that. The zone. If I were you, mm. I'd be very concerned with security along the Bajoran border. Are you surprised they haven't responded at all yet? Well, Ben, you and I both know they never let you see what you expect to see. Also, he's doing the Badmiral thing. What's that? Using the familiar name of Ben. Oh, yeah. Over and over again. Right. Which is, every Admiral does this. They use the first name of the commanding officer of whatever ship, just because we're supposed to go, ooh, personal relationship. We should trust him. Right. But it's like, no, you've said it too many times. Now I don't trust you. It's true. Is this guy an Now admiral? I don't trust you. Is he an Admiral? He's like another... No, he's a lieutenant commander. Right, okay. They'll respond. It's pretty old to be a lieutenant commander. Hey, not everybody bursts through the ranks like old Ben here. Yeah. Come on, Sorry. Andy, you uh, know. I apologize. You know, Andy. Isn't that right, Andy? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, no, Andy, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Remember, remember back when we had lunch that time? What? There's a little creature popping out of your neck. <laughs> um, where are we even going here? Do you have any thoughts on uh, Quark and a Vulcan? Uh, I think if somebody theorized, and they were correct, I do like her. Bertila Damas as Sakona. I didn't have what? Any claim are to these fame, words? Yeah. What are you That's saying? That's her name. That's the actress's name. And the oh. character's name is Sakona. Uh, and I enjoyed oh, it. Oh, it does kind of sound like Sakunda. That's why I liked her. I was like, yeah. ooh. Um, she would be Sakona Sakunda. Oh, my goodness, you guys. <laughs> uh, but I did like this. I like uh, I this subplot. I... I like that he's kind of like... He's wooing her in not uh, a horribly offensive way. He's just sort of working his, his quark approach and he's sort of mixing it with with the business, which I guess that's offensive that he's sort of, you know, basically pulling her in uh, under the under the guise of, of business. So that's, that's Well, she's trying to do some arms deals behind the back of the Federation. Yeah, so. but she's got her own motivation, so it's a little weird. He can woo I should explain about that slip of the tongue. Your past is of no consequence to me. I'm delighted to hear you say that, because nothing would please me more than to make a fresh start with the Vulcans, Ms. Sakona. Sakona. Such a handsome name for uh, such a handsome young woman. What do you have to drink? Oh, wait a minute. I have just the thing. Vulcan port. Ah. <sighs> I think the outfit's cool, Three too. Three centuries old. 
very rare. What'd you say? I think her outfit's cool, too. It's kind of, like, militaristic, but also kind of, like, shapely. And it has, it's sort of flat and spacey on the top, but then it's kind of floral pattern. You're saying that this is something that you could put a Vulcan in, maybe, like, a T'Pol in? I think it would actually be more flattering than T'Pol's outfits. Imagine if she walked up in T'Pol's outfit. <laughs> 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 what are you doing? Very could be more early odds. Shall though. I pour you a glass? No. Not even a taste? It's exquisite. I'm not thirsty, thus I see no reason to have a drink. Well, it'll be right here, should you develop a thirst. Now, uh, you mentioned a business like proposition. Later on, it is a private matter. It's I... a terrible drink that he's given her. He's given her a cheap, terrible drink because he drinks it. He's like, ugh. <laughs> oh, I thought that was just because he doesn't like the Vulcan. Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't have a Vulcan palate. Drink. Yeah, I couldn't tell That's which what I one thought of those it was. was. Either you know, yours is more of a joke. Mine is more quirky. Yes. Hmm. That would be wonderful. How does eight sound to your tummy? I will return then. And, by the way, I'd love to melt that cold Vulcan heart of yours. Who are you talking to, Cork? Always himself. Always. <laughs> I really like... I like that scene because it's it's the different levels of Quark. He's defensive and lying because he thinks it's going to be trouble. Then he realizes there's a business opportunity. Then he kind of... It, there's no distinct moment where he starts to be attracted to her. It's sort of a general build that he's like, oh, I'll do this at the same time as I'm working on my business plan. It's, uh, it's kind of a nice scene. Well, it's probably one of the rules of acquisition. Yeah. Capitalize on your Jake time. Go. Your son is not here, Commander. Jaco is a terrible nickname. I'm sorry. I I'm your it. son now, Commander. <laughs> this episode took a turn. <laughs> According Where to the uh, Cardassian rules, tr- the new treaty, <laughs> if you remove a Federation officer's son, you become their son. <laughs> now take me to the ballpark, Dad. And he throws a baseball. <laughs> a little chin music. <laughs> How would I know? I just... Commander, you don't. Do you think I would ever do anything to harm your son? I think you're capable of anything. You wound me, sir. I'm here as your friend. Cisco to Kira. Please do not do anything hastily, Commander. We must talk in private. Yes, Commander. Major, I want you to find Jake. Is he missing? I don't know. Find out where he is and let me know. Understood. Tell me how, how he feels about me. I was an unregistered passenger on a Kotakian ship that docked here this morning. I slipped in through the cargo bay. Hmm. And made your way here without anyone seeing you. I was the commander of this station for almost ten years. When one knows the various corridors and passageways as well as I... Oh, by the way... I love what you've done with these quarters. Kira to Cisco. Jake's fine, Commander. He's with Nog watching the women coming off the Bajoran transport at Docking Bay 1. Do I have him brought to your quarters? He's being a horny teen. <laughs> no, that's all right. Thank you, Major. Cisco out. There. You see? Safe and sound. What are you doing here? Real depressing to 
have this be your you your quarters have a problem so dark. do i the Bachnor? is this the cardassian central command's way of responding to my communiques on the contrary central command has no idea i'm here it's true i'm here unofficially to help you find out the truth about the Bachnor. why would you want to help me because i already know the truth you know who's responsible i do who you are well, not you personally, Commander. I know you to be an honorable man. You're not one to sneak around attaching implosion devices to impulse engines. But believe it or not, there are those of your brethren who are willing to do such things. Morally superior human beings and other members of the Federation I'm supposed to take your word for that? Of course not. It's my job to convince you. Uh, this scene... Yes. It's a really good scene in this episode, this whole... This dynamic that you're, you're, they're starting to establish between Ducat and Cisco. Yes. Is really... Uh, it's really enjoyable. Yeah. And subtle. I and agree. it's well done. I agree. And it's my favorite part of the episode. It's also, I don't know enough about Ducat. I guess I guess even from watching this episode, it's... You don't it's, even need to know anything about it. You just sort of follow along. It's, well, it's, you know, the question is always how much, a, how much he's operating from a self-interest and how much he's actually trying to solve a political situation. That's the fun of him, right. is you never know. Right. And it's kind of the same thing with, with Garrick on the other side. It's interesting that it's kind of a fun Cardassian trait. And it and it makes them a very multi-layered species in Trek. In Trek so you can clean up your own house instead of forcing us to do it for you. Which would certainly endanger the new treaty. We'll need one of your runabouts. Where are we going? The Volan colonies? A demilitarized zone. Hmm. Not so demilitarized, I'm afraid. Um, the shuttle scene. It's interesting, like the fact that he his panels turned off, and <laughs> I mean, it's great. I also love the details about like that. Cardassians have photographic memory. I'm always into. That special, you know, the superhuman abilities. Of, right. <laughs> of it. So it's just like, it's great. And uh, I love the detail of like, that the reason they have it to a certain degree is because they put their children in mind training programs when they're four years old. It's I mean, it's the best time to start training them up. <laughs> oh my God. Boy, does my brain wish it had been there. It really doesn't matter. Cardassian pursuit vessels are years ahead of this design. What is it? Long-range sensors are picking up a distress signal. From who? A Federation merchant vessel under attack by Cardassians. <sighs> I'm reading two Cardassian attack vessels just inside the demilitarized zone. That's not possible. I promise you, Commander, we would not violate the treaty. The merchant vessel's comlinks are down. I can't raise them. Computer. 
fixed source coordinates of the distress signal and lay in a new course. Anyway, I'm playing way too much for this. Uh... But I like it. It's a fun two-hander, you know? Now, can you explain... <laughs> it's great. Uh, can you explain to me... Is it... Like, what the first ship was, and then the second ship's... I assume the McKee ships are the ones that swoop in at the end. So is the first ship also a McKee ship, and then the second ships are Cardassian ships? As far as I can tell, and this is just based on the information that I have from watching this episode... Yes. The first ship is a Federation colony ship that it's unclear if it's carrying any contraband. Uh-huh. We don't know that. Uh, however, the two Cardassian small vessels that come to attack it are armed. Uh-huh. And the third Maquis vessel, or sorry, the second vessel, the second Federation colony vessel is heavily armed transport. And is the suggestion that even the Cardassians in these colonies are operating sort of above the law in terms of what the Cardassian government wants? Or is it unclear? I would say at this stage is unclear because I feel like it's, and this is where it gets into, well, what is, what does, uh, uh, Ducat really want is like, uh, I would assume prior to this episode or recent developments that, well, the Cardassians are all just going to be one, you know, it's going to be, they're all essentially self-interested and, and, you know, evil probably. Uh, certainly on the wrong side, generally morally. Um, and now it sort of feels like Ducat is being presented as he's trying to avoid trouble um, and not launching them into another war. Uh, yeah. Whereas the people on the Cardassians on the planet, I think, are more engaged with the Maquis on, you know, now let's fight it out for territory. Or let's day to day skirmishes. Yes. So yeah, I don't know. That's the beauty of it, you know. Yeah, I like it. Good people on both sides. Here. <laughs> yes. I don't agree with that. <laughs> Business negotiation on an empty stomach. Rule of acquisition. Yes. Every Ferengi business transaction is governed by 285 rules of acquisition to ensure a fair and honest deal for all parties concerned. Well, most of them anyway. Commendable to create a code of behavior for business transactions is logical and quite reassuring. Do Vulcans have anything similar? In structure, it reminds one of the Vulcan Bill of Rights, which guarantees the fundamental personal freedoms of every Vulcan citizen. Same thing. (laughs) I hope she comes back. I think this is a great... Great delivery. This is a great relationship for Quark. I don't know if she comes back. I agree. I like the character. I like that. And it makes sense that a Vulcan would kind of be into Quark because a lot of, you know, a lot of the Ferengi perspectives are kind of logical. (laughs) They're, you know, they're capitalistic and, and a little selfish, but, uh, they, they make sense. On torpedoes. 
troop transports, and a number of cobalt thorium devices. My list is quite extensive. You're a gun runner? I am prepared to pay in latinum, and I will very likely need a continuous supply for the foreseeable future. You're not like other Vulcans, are you? <laughs> They're perfect together. I hope they get married. I ship them as well. I'm a Quarkona. This guy's got a ponytail? I didn't even notice that the first time. I hate him even more now. And this dumb vest. Fire. Oh no, it's somebody behind him. How strong... Back to hating him, the original amount. This is a classic kind of question. How strong are Cardassians versus humans? Because this guy certainly goes at this guy like he has no fear. I don't know. I don't know if it's ever established. Clear the Federation ship was carrying weapons through the demilitarized zone. That ship was carrying medical supplies to Soltok for. Ben, Soltok. what are you doing here? <laughs> I'm not sure yet. Old Ducat asked me to accompany him. Ducat? No one informed us you were coming. I decided an impromptu visit would be preferable. So you wouldn't be bothered with special preparations. I see. They pick I mean, guys with great voices for the Cardassians. I mean... Yes, there's a... I mean, even Garrick an, is obviously a different air quality. villainy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But it's like a different speed of like, I'm more it's, like it's a, a snake. A, and he's more like, I'm more intimidating. It's melodic. Yeah. It's a melodic yes, way of speaking. Yes, yes, good point. Uh, the Cardassian role-playing game source book gives uh, Cardassians no additional points for strength. FYI. And the all various right. novels make no reference to, their, to the strength. No, I think these are all not That's canon. true. I knew that. I didn't know that. I'm kidding. <laughs> Explain where the Federation ship came from. The one outfitted with photon torpedoes. Explain why your ships were armed with Galar-class phaser banks. They have a right to defend themselves against organized terrorist activities. I haven't heard any proof yet of organized terrorist activities. Because there is none. On the contrary. We have the confession of the Federation terrorist responsible for the destruction of the Bok-Nor at your station, Commander. Confession? A 43- Andy, can you vamp? Sure. I play this jingle, uh, but uh, I don't know where it is. I gotta go get this dog in the house. He's barking like a lunatic. Like a lunatic, eh? Um, it's time for Andy's vamping. Um, what was I talking to Matt about before we started? I ordered a couch. It's a lot of stuff going on over here, guys. Um, I got rid of a couch, and then uh, I obsessed over the new one because I can't make a decision. And uh, I finally picked one. I was like, "All right, I like this." And then I ordered it, and then they said, "We're not. Uh, we don't have that." Well, yeah, I know you already gave us your money, but we don't have it. So now. I gotta get my money back. I just ordered the same couch from another place. Um, I have a feeling they're gonna tell me they don't have it either, but there was a lady who said they have it. Um, 
and I was I'd obsessed for a long time about which one to get because I kind of want a modern kind of one uh, and um, but uh, you know I don't know how do you guys how, let me ask you this <laughs> crowdsourcing time <laughs> I don't want to hire someone to help me design kind of a cool modern flavor for my home that's going to cost thousands of dollars and make me buy stuff that's thousands of dollars because I'm out of work. I just want to... I just want to have somebody help me or even point me in the direction of how to build up sort of a sense of, oh, this goes with this or this is an appropriate thing and not have to depend on friends with, you know, because eventually... If you ask people for help, I'm talking about designing my, my you know, sort of picking stuff. I, and, by the way, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's like, I, it's like you either get a professional that's going to do it all and make the decisions for you and they're, they're a fortune. And I don't want them to make the decisions anyway because I'm going to be difficult. I'm going to go, I like this and I don't like this. So if anyone has any suggestions, let me know. End of him. Also, reminder, it's uh, February 3rd, everybody. Luis Martinez's birthday. <laughs> Just reminding everybody. Everybody put it on your calendars. <laughs> Three-year-old male human, William Patrick Samuels, born Bergen, Norway, Earth. We know who he is. What have you- we know he was born in Norway. He won't shut up about it. <laughs> He's got a million stories about it. <laughs> Done with him. Came to the Federation colony on Volon II 20 years ago. Married, wife's name Louise. Two female children aged 14 and 12. What are their names? He was quite cooperative once we apprehended him on Deep Space Nine. I don't have this port. Uh, does anyone have an adapter for this <laughs> isolinear chip from a Cardassian? Oh, this is this is old. I only have a a lightning. Uh... Could you get me? Could could I? Could someone get me an adapter? <laughs> yeah. There's this weird segment in the middle of this episode where they wait 15 minutes for somebody to run and get an adapter. From, but that's what felt real about it. From you know? Best Buy. Now that is what's better about DS9. It's so real. I have confessed that. Just take the runabout to Best Buy. <laughs> As a member of a well-armed anti-Cardassian force organized by Federation colonists, I set an implosion device that destroyed the freighter Bachnor. I deeply regret participating in this arbitrary attack that led to the deaths of over 75 crewmen. To my wife and children, I'm sorry, and I love you. You're going to be great in that part. Thank you so much. I actually thought that that was Dan <laughs> Castellaneta for most of the episode. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's an early part for Dan Castellaneta. I was like, oh, it's not Dan, not Dan Castellaneta. I have face blindness. Early. <laughs> Look at this point. He'd only been doing The Simpsons for seven years. <laughs> he would have confessed to anything after you were through with him. On the contrary, he confessed quite early in the interrogation procedure. Far sooner than we expected. So yeah, it wasn't on us. <laughs> he was a wuss. Truly <laughs> felt remorse 
We want to talk to him ourselves. Bring him in. Unfortunately, <laughs> he committed suicide in his cell. They're like, they're like, does he mean the dead guy? He wants us to bring in the dead guy? Uh, they're standing there the whole time right next to the door. How long are we going to hold this guy for? When is he going to ask for the dead guy? <laughs> I was surprised when they pulled the, uh, the, the tarp off that he didn't go, do it's a good jump it was a really good jump um so okay is the suggestion or don't we know maybe this is all in the second episode uh love a matte painting love this 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 picture of the colony um is the suggestion that he was McKee or that the Cardassians were setting him up to pretend he was McKee no he was McKee you see him at the beginning except the explosive device oh I don't remember that part oh okay the very beginning of the episode he's setting the explosive device in a Starfleet uniform why is that guy flipping out then the the Cardassians caught him red handed well I I think that's kind of the problem here with these McKee they're hotheads yeah I think they're it's also like it's not like the Federation. Well, look, I'm gonna sound crazy here, <laughs> okay? But it's not like the Federation was like, "Hey, you gotta leave," uh-huh. and also we're not gonna put bring you put any put you anywhere else where you could possibly live. They tried. They're like, "Here are the plan. Here is other settlements you can establish yourselves at. Blah 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 blah. We'll help you." Yeah. But they were like, "No, well, we choose to stay here." And it's like, okay. <laughs> So stay there. You know what you're going to be dealing with. Well. And then they act like a bunch of banana dum-dums. <laughs> what? That doesn't make any sense. I don't want to uh, have this extend to any conversation beyond Star Trek because it's uh, very ugly. But, um, but well, I'm literally, just, I'm honestly, you know, just talking about in the context of the Federation and the Maquis terrorist cell. From the from the perspective of uh, the Maquis, it's the war is over. the The territory should revert to the to them, right? And so no, because they were there before the war. He's been there for twenty years, right? That's what I'm saying. So his his stance, their stance is it should just revert to them. That the Cardassians should just give it up. Is what the point of contention is yes i guess yeah and then of course cisco is even saying but there were a lot of cardassians there too so yeah i mean it's uh it's a perfectly set up impossible political situation mm-hmm. for 20 years he raised two children on that land he made something out of that land and the Federation hmm. told him... You're, sus- you're very suspicious right now, old friend. <laughs> he had to give it all up to the Cardassians. Well, he just was not willing to do that. And it was people like him who made both sides realize that some accommodation had to be made for the colonies so they could stay. The Cardassians have no intention of allowing these people to stay. They will either force them out or they will kill them. It's already started. 
Not a day goes by when there's not some random act of violence against our people. Every Federation colonist knows you do not go out alone at night. Can you imagine living under that kind of fear? If you're saying the Cardassian authorities are not enforcing the laws, enforcing we Enforcing can... the laws? The Cardassian authorities were part of a mob that stoned two colonists on the streets of Ropal City three days ago. That's something the Federation can take up with the Cardassians at the highest levels. Well, that will help a lot. The word is the Cardassian High Command is arming their colonists to the teeth. You really think they'd risk sending weapons into the demilitarized zone and breaking the treaty? I think they'll find a way to do it that's not so obvious. Not long ago, we caught the Cardassians shipping weapons to Bajoran extremists through a third party, the Eurydians. That sounds about right. Would the Bachnor have been transferring weapons to someone else to bring in here? I can see why. I mean, that sounds about right. How does that sound right? The Cardassians are sending weapons to Bajorans. <laughs> to provoke something? It is confusing. I agree with you. Uh, well, just the, the, that sounds about right. No, I that's mean, what I'm saying. Him, it's like, it's is he saying, confusing. yeah, they'll do that because they're trying to stir up trouble. Because that's the only Maybe. way I, it makes sense to me. If it was, then the transfer was made before the ship reached the station. The cargo holds of the Bucknor were empty. Do you think he did it? Samuels? I don't know. They could have forced him to make a false confession and then killed him. I don't think Goldicott would drag me all the way here unless he knew he could prove it. Well, maybe he did do it, Ben. I don't know. Damn. I've got to go see his wife. I don't know what I'm going to tell her. It makes you pine for the good old dull days in New Berlin, doesn't it? Sausage and beer all around. And everyone's idea of a good time was the Mazurka Festival. Yeah, I guess it's a stilted performance. Gretchen and Jennifer had a ball. What's that? It's a stilted performance. I agree. (laughs) Oh, why would you say that, Andy? Come on. You know Andy. Remember, the best time we ever had was the time we all had sausages. (laughs) But you're also right that the writing is a little bit stilted. It is interesting that it's (laughs) New Berlin and it's sausages and beer. It's very, very hard to imagine Cisco there. Well, they're together, didn't they? I'll never forget the sight of you in those lederhosen. I still have the hat. Here it is. Is there something? I bring it with me wherever I go. (laughs) Are these colonists organizing some kind of terrorist campaign? Campaign. Well, if they are. They're not about to tell me about it. But I'll tell you one thing, Ben. Between you and me, those people have every right to defend themselves. When the Federation said goodbye to them, they left them no other choice. This is why it's odd that the end is like, dun, 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 when it's sort of like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Natural conclusion. <laughs> I was surprised as you were by his death. No one is going to buy your suicide story. 
I don't care what he did. This kind of barbaric disregard for life will gut this treaty. If it means anything, I entirely agree. I told Levesque he was a fool to let Samuels die. A good interrogator doesn't allow his subject to die. You lose the advantage. Really That's all you're interested detail. in, isn't it? The advantage. That's what everybody's oh, no, interested don't in. Go spouting off your holier-than-thou Federation fair play dogma. And lest we forget, your man was responsible for the deaths of 78 innocent crewmen. What was the Bucknor transporting? The Bachnor had just delivered 14 metric tons of gulfside ore to the Regulan system prior to its arrival at the wormhole. You're sure it wasn't carrying weapons? Weapons? To whom? To the Cardassians in the demilitarized zone. No, the route of the Bachnor didn't take it anywhere near the demilitarized zone. It could have rendezvoused with someone else. With the Lesepians, maybe. They could have transferred the weapons to them, and they could have taken the weapons... Commander! I know you'd love to find some justification for this mass murder to ease your Federation conscience. But if the Bachnor was carrying weapons, I would know. And on the lives of my children, I swear to you, it was not. I don't know. I think we're supposed to take that as truth from him. I didn't know you. Yeah. That's all like that he says. I don't know you had children. It's you had children. Seven. For Christ's sakes, man, put on a condom. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys, Catholic? <laughs> I received your message. How soon will it be available? My source can have everything ready tomorrow, say by 1400 hours. It's like another shade of Quark where you're like, oh. <laughs> He's also a weapons dealer. <laughs> Sure, it's that didn't bump me at all. That makes total tonight. sense. Leaving so soon? My plans have changed. Can your source have the materials ready by tonight? Guess you'll have to. I have your Latin them if you'd like to count it. This day player is really male and trustworthy. Vulcan. I'm a Vulcan. <laughs> of course. Just a little joke. As I've said before, it's the easiest one to play. That's I disagree. I think you have to make the character sure interesting. Because I feel like sometimes well, you do have the day player playing Vulcan, and yes, they're not screwing it up, but it's not an interesting performance because they're just playing everything flat. Not attractive enough? Not hot enough. Oh, playing everything flat. Yes, that's it, Andy. That's what we like about our Vulcans. It's hard to give it a quick... Although you do say that about Tim Russell all the time, and I'm like, he's just being a Vulcan. <laughs> a cow, I suppose. I will have it brought to your quarters. I was looking forward to showing you more ways to mix business with pleasure. Perhaps in the future. I do find you... intriguing, Quark. I like that you kind of knew what was up. Intriguing. <laughs> It's a great performance. You can stay in the guest suite. I really do, yeah. I think Quark is. I'd like that they make... I would, I'd be all for making Quark as successful with the ladies as possible. <laughs> it's a very funny sort of... It's a funny look for him. It is. It's well, kind of... It's kind of like... I mean, obviously, all the, all the early stuff in DS9 makes it just like, well, he's obviously a horrible person. But, uh, but if it's sort of like... It's like, with this lady... She's an arms dealer. That's all she's looking for. He's working his ass off trying to charm her. And at the end, he's, she's kind of like, you know what? In a different in a different venue or at some point in the future, maybe I'd be down for it. It kind of seems like it's a good vibe here. <laughs> like, I mean, it's kind of fun. 
<laughs> Perhaps I am down to clown, as they say. <laughs> you arrange transport back to Cardassia. I'll have security guard meet you there. Starfleet security, if you don't mind, Commander. Some of the Bajoran deputies are still around from the good old days when I was in charge. I understand. If there's anything else I... His little uniform came undone here, and it's really annoying me. Oh. And they, they just rolled with it. How wide that outfit is. You can stay in the guest suite on level H2 while you arrange transport back to Cardassia. I'll have security guard meet you there. Starfleet security, if you don't mind, Commander. Oh, yeah. Some of the Bajoran deputies are still around from the good old days when I was in charge. I understand. If there's anything else I can do to assist you in your investigation... I think I can handle it from here. Hmm. Chief. Yes, sir. I've got answers for you, but I'm not sure you're going to like them. It was an implosive device. Yes, sir. And not only that... Not only that, it was a Federation implosive device. Yes, sir. The traces of Mercassium we found were from the casing of the device itself. It had to be a Federation design. Get me Starfleet Command on subspace. How hard do you think it is to open a channel? <laughs> like, do you think he? Do you think he knows how to do it, or do you think he's like? It's got to It's got I haven't take, learned these menus yet. It's got to take less time to just open a channel <laughs> than to ask someone <laughs> to open a channel. <laughs> Commander, is there anything you'd like me to communicate to the provisional government? Tell them some reckless colonist in the demilitarized zone blew up the Baknur. There's no further threat of Cardassian reprisals to Bajor. I'll advise all of our outposts to stand down. Sir, are, you... are we facing the prospect of war here? Not if I can help it. But that's what the colonists are after. I don't think they know what they're after, Major. I just know they have to be stopped. And it's Starfleet's job to stop them. Sir, I know this is none of my business. But you're going to give me your opinion anyway. I don't know what the <laughs> told you. They played a confession of the man who planted the bomb. A man they most likely tortured to death. And you don't think you might be playing into their hands? I've got people out there killing people, Major. You suggest I turn a blind eye to that? Well, they don't have a right to defend themselves? They've crossed the line. If Starfleet is unwilling to defend their people... In they a, chose they to live with the Cardassians. Well, I didn't. But I lived with them for 26 years before the liberation came. Every Bajoran lived with them in constant fear. I know what those colonists are going through. Most of all, I know that the Cardassians can't be trusted to keep their side of the bargain in this treaty. So, you'd suggest the Federation not keep our side of the bargain either? Perhaps by arming these colonists? I can tell you one thing for certain. The Cardassians are the enemy, not your own colonists. And if Starfleet can understand that, then the Federation is even more naive than I already think it is. <laughs> I do love when he opens the door. Yeah, it's great. It's a great I have a scene. button for this. It's really nice. It's also, he opens the door because he's fucking pissed off because he's there's no good solution. Yeah, I mean, that's just the kind of shit you got to deal with on Deep Space Nine, you know? Yeah. Then we see this guy who's like... Who are you? You're not a crewman I recognize. Neck pinch down. It's bad security. Using a neck pinch that fucking... But for duty an hour. should be using all the time. Yes? Sorry to disturb you, sir, but there's a message here from Commander Sisko. 
We have been asked to escort you to airlock 11, sir. A Cardassian freighter's just arrived. Is there a problem? Apparently another bomb has been found and disarmed. Why isn't the Vulcan out of uniform raise any alarm bells for him? You know, I don't know. Also, like, I feel like they tracked this Vulcan. They'd already know this Vulcan was up to something. Yeah, I think that's fair, too. Because literally the two Cardassian spies who got that guy to confess yeah. saw both of them together. Right. No, I don't. I take it we're not about to board a Cardassian well, he was in the freighter. Meeting down, down in the colonies. Yeah, I know, but I wish he's like, well, I don't know. Who are you? You think you're the guy that say. jumped over the table? Oh, you're <laughs> oh, Jumpy Jim. How are you, Jumpy Jim? <laughs> this is like, I thought this My was bad Yes. This is because he very easily could have punched this other the phaser guy in the face as well. Yeah, he, like, it, like there's like a beat where he turns and faces him, and uh, rather than having like right here, he could have turned. He could have turned and you know whatever. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Whatever. I agree. He, he also I think knocks down the Vulcan lady too easily. The Vulcan should have overpowered him or just neck pinched him. Mm. Maybe it's not the same biology. You can't neck pinch a, a Cardassian. Right. They've got those big shoulder pads. Right, 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 right. They got those and those long necks. Got snake shoulders. Have we seen Cardassians without their outfits? I don't. I yeah. I mean, we've seen civilian Cardassians. I mean, shirtless. Do they look like snakes under there? I have no idea. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm afraid to look up shirtless Cardassians <laughs> for fear of what I'll get. Just, just leave it. Just leave it. Just make it. When it does happen, or if it does happen, it'll be a nice surprise. All right. In the course of a week, I'm sure they've got a few things to say. It's their own fault. I've been warning them since the beginning. What are you talking about? Their fault. But you're in charge of security. If you will let me be in charge of security, I will give you a safe station. You people tell me to do my job, then give me a Federation rule book listing all the things I can't do. Untie my hands before you start to blame me, Mr. O'Brien. I'm sure no one meant to blame you, Odo. Give me the right to set a curfew. Let me do more searches of arriving passengers. Give me 50 more deputies. And the station will be just the way it was during the occupation. Say what you like. It was safer then. Love that detail. I mean, he he was he would just be like, "Yes, come on in, Empire." Uh, yeah, whatever is, you need, Darth Vader. It's really such a weird fascist side of Odo. Is really, I guess it totally makes sense. But this was part of my confusion about where he stands on. He kind of hates the Cardassians, but also they trusted him to be constable. It's all very odd. And this, I guess, gets to it a little bit that he's just like, "Well, at least the Cardassians let me do my." You know, oppressive job. <laughs> I want a complete review of all security measures on board this station. I'll be delighted to accommodate you. What do we have from the guard? He's given us a description of the two who assaulted him. A Vulcan female and a human male in a Starfleet officer's uniform. We're trying to locate anyone they might have contacted here. How many ships left the station during the night? Only two, sir. The Bardesan merchant ship and a Galador freighter. What were their destinations? 
The Bardisans went through the wormhole. The freighter is operating on a trade route between Galador 2 and Ferius Prime. I'm guessing these people wouldn't take Ducat through the wormhole. They'd head back to the demilitarized zone with him. Dax, check the Galador ship's registry and make sure it's in order. Chief, see if you can identify its warp signature for my sensor records. No problem, Commander. I've got it. Last known course. The computer's showing it was on a bearing 216 Mark 177. As it left our sensor range, it was still heading for Ferius Prime. Major, send a message to Ferius Prime. If that ship shows up, and I doubt that it will, I want to know it right away. I could send the warp signature out over subspace. You could make it a general transmission. If it changes course, someone should spot it. Do it. It's kind of crazy. It's a phony. The Galadorans don't... Mm -hmm. It's crazy that you can just send a warp signature out over as a, like an all APB. And they're just like, hey, here's yeah. that warp signature. There's a green Nissan license plate 86473. <laughs> have any ships in this sector. The registry is forged. Doctor, Major, you're with me. Odo, send a message to Commander Hudson at the Poland Colony. Up until this that point. I'm moving in his direction on the assumption that Ducat will be taken to the demilitarized zone. Give him the warp signature of the ship. Aye, sir. Commander, we just received a general subspace transmission from somewhere in the demilitarized zone. A group there is taking credit for the kidnapping of Ducat. They're calling themselves the Marquis. <gasps> I didn't read, Les Mis. Did you? <laughs> Commander, Still no, no line for Bashir up until this point in the episode. Has ID'd the warp signature. The ship did change course just as you predicted. Transmit their last known coordinates and heading to us, Chief. Acknowledged. Let us know if anyone else picks up their out. signature. Oh, that's great. Nice, sir. O'Brien out. Set a new course, Major. Yes, sir. Heading takes him into the Badlands. Badlands? It's a stretch of the Cardassian border. Ships try to avoid a lot of plasma storms in the area. A few ships have been lost there in the past year or two. Sounds like the perfect place for a hideout. Excuse me, sir. What do you plan to do if we catch up with them? After all, these Marquis are Federation colonists. We're going to get gold to cut back by any means necessary. Even if we have to fire on our own people? Long-range sensors are picking up the warp signature. Leads to an M-class asteroid. Take us there. Um, I think there's M-class asteroids rolling about. Yeah, that was an interesting With vegetation detail. and stuff. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense because it would be so far away from a sun and constantly moving. It's not... You know what I mean? I, I guess unless it's in a belt... Does the definition of an asteroid mean that it can't be orbiting a sun? I don't know. What am I? Uh, an astrophysicist? I thought you were. Do we have a... Where's our astrophysicist? Andy the astrophysicist? Yeah, I'll have to pipe in. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> we just need help with celestial bodies. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad to see you had no trouble finding us, Ben. Try harder next time. It seems that one disaster after another 
keeps bringing us back together again. You'll notice I'm not my Starfleet uniform. That's right, Ben. <laughs> I'm in casual sweatery. You thought right. before I was just playing devil's advocate when I was having those conversations with you, but actually, that's exactly <laughs> no, what I didn't I think that. Yes, I know you were being very. Well, all right, I guess about it's it. a big surprise. I for guess you. I was just being obtuse by not listening, but I know you completely everything you said. This makes total sense. Surprise, no one. <laughs> Oopsie! I guess we did it. Yeah, we well, we did something. Not sure what that is, but we recorded an episode for sure. Where is? Hmm. I guess there it is. Oh, I haven't played this one in a little while. It's now DS9 There's no turning back Which one will it be? Will you pick good old Or maybe you'll pick Kira Since Goldacks were somewhat featured Who will be this next week's Tough because I don't even nothing. First of all, it's a part one, obviously. But beyond that, it's like it's so muddy. It's like I don't even know. I mean, it's muddy, but everyone's doing their jobs on the inner. On the like who's doing their jobs the best? O'Brien certainly delivers everything that's asked of him. I agree with that statement for sure. You could argue that that Dax does everything that's asked of her too, or them. And uh, however. Like even at the beginning, when Dax says, "Turn off your engines, you're going to blow up," Dax does it too late. They blow up anyway. Although I guess there was a bomb, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I'll give it to Chief O'Brien right now. Yeah, I'll give it to Chief O'Brien too. I mean, we'll I, see. What, we'll, Cisco we'll see what, is doing. Cisco, a, Cisco can certainly earn it next week. Yeah, Cisco's doing a good job of keeping all perspectives in view but he's not hasn't been doing he hasn't didn't do anything this week to resolve it. that's right ben you didn't did you ben i guess you might not even recognize me since i'm not wearing my starfleet uniform <laughs> it's me ben <laughs> <laughs> does uh <laughs> does this remind uh, you who i am that treaty is bullshit they're not even gonna live <laughs> up to it does that ring any bells oh it does <laughs> we had Sausages together. That's right, it's me. <laughs> Your old pal, Sausage Man. New Berlin. Uh, I want to have sex with Dex, but it's weird. I always have. I always have. Both I had forms. sex with him. I had sex with him when he was Curza. Now I want to have sex with him when he's uh, when he's Gen Z. How many Andy's does this episode get? I don't even know what to say. The the uh. The Ducat stuff is fantastic, and I'm beginning to understand why people are so high on Ducat. Because up until now, I've sort of been like, "Eh, it's a villain." Um, yeah, uh, just because it's such a nuanced, interesting performance, and they build up all that cool stuff about the Cardassians, <laughs> photographic memory, and what they do with their children. And you're continuing the theme of like that the Cardassians are really into their families. 
Um, I don't know. So that's all real and nice. It's very hard for me to get a read on whether it's successful storytelling because so much of it's like, and it's in the service of something. It's not just sci-fi fucking naming territories and planets and shit for no reason. It's right. in the service of it. But it's still just like, what are, you, what are we doing? It doesn't seem like there's, like the drama is so, like you don't know who's who that it's like hard to kind of get a beat on the drama. Root for anybody? Yeah. yeah. What do you what do you I think? can see that for sure. So. I mean, I think that though it's all valid what you're saying. I think for me it just, you know, these part ones of two are always hard unless it's best of both worlds. It's true. Uh, to grade because it's just like half a story. But in this, I mean, I give it a six. I was just gonna say six, son of a bitch. Ah. I agree. I agree. It's a six. You know, next week when we do the to poll, our average will probably be six. You think so? Well, yeah. Good prediction. <laughs> Thank you. All right. If you have an M class asteroid out there, let us know in the comments. Love you guys. Otherwise, Happy birthday, Elise. You did it. You're the best at having a birthday on February 3rd, at least, Martinez. Well done. The day after Groundhog Day. (laughs) The day after Groundhog Day. The day after Groundhog Day. Oh, no. (laughs) It's too meta. Take care.